Deplorable Nation, a podcast where your voices can be heard, where things that affect you and your family are important, because it's important to all of us. Every one of us matters and everybody has a voice. We're going to be bringing you news, current events, and throw in a lot of humor. And then you decide for yourself. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Deplorable Nation. I'm your host, Deplorable Janet. This is episode number 54, Disfellowship. I have a very special guest with me today, Mr. Jack Pine. Jack, how are you doing? Good. How are you doing, Janet? Fantastic. I'm excited that you're on here with me today because... This topic, I think, needs a lot of discussion, and I've never heard anybody else talk about this before. So I'm excited you're here. Oh, well, thank you for having me. I'll answer any questions I can and and, uh, hopefully uh, get it across to the audience. So let's start out with a little background. Tell me about you. Well, um, I was raised a Jehovah's Witness, and I was in it for about till my 30s, and I eventually uh, just kind of withdrew from my wife uh, at the time, my ex-wife. And uh, because of it and uh, getting into another relationship, I had gotten disfellowshipped. And so that's something that uh, Jehovah's Witnesses take very seriously. Um, Once somebody's disfellowshipped, they basically look at it as you're the walking dead until you're reinstated and and come back to the congregation. So I have a question about that. So if you if you leave the church um under any circumstance you're considered disfellowshipped, correct? Um not specifically. Um they they will tell you and they tell the media anyone is free to go whenever they choose. And they can, but there are consequences if you do that. So if somebody just decides, you know what, this religion, it's not for me. It's time, it's time to get out of here. Um, you can walk away from it, uh, but the instruction from the society, from the governing body, is to separate yourself from that person because they want the focus on the religion itself and the preaching work. So, like other other people are not allowed to speak to you, then. Yeah, I, I mean, you can, um, but it's highly encouraged that people not associate with you. So, just instead of you know maybe meeting somebody for dinner like you would normally, it they would pretty much tell you try and keep it just business. If you have you know some family issues, something that comes up, a death in the family, or somebody's sick, something like that. Of course, you can talk to the person about about that specific issue, but you'd be encouraged to keep your distance from that person. So, can the can the church remove you themselves? 
Like yeah. if they don't like something that you're doing or don't think you're following whatever their teachings are, they can remove you. Yeah, they can. And so that is when they disfellowship somebody. Although from what I'm hearing now is they no longer call it disfellowshipping. They, they might in a private meeting, like um, basically if somebody gets in, into trouble in the organization, the elders will call on that person. And a committee is formed, and there will be three elders, and they will meet with you, and just to see if you can, they can bring you to repentance, and if you're actually, they feel you're truly sorry for what you've done, then they would probably say, okay, well, <clears throat> you know, you're not going to get this fellowship, but, you know, you are going to get in trouble, and so they will uh, privately reprove you which means they would take away some privileges from you. Uh, so like they may say you can't answer at the meetings anymore, or you might not uh, be able to, for the men in the congregation, if you're a literature servant or doing the microphone or the sound, they would tell you, okay, you can't do that anymore until you're in a better, better place spiritually. So, like, say if you left on on your own accord and you wanted to come back later, is there a process that you have to go through for that? Uh, there is a little, a little bit. Um, if you haven't, in their eyes, gotten in trouble, you can come back and they would welcome you with open arms. But uh, you probably have to meet with, with at least one elder, if not a couple, and they would just want to see how you've been doing and, you know, what what's brought you back but they really do encourage people to come back so it's not some people feel that it's very cold and i i would say from my experience um it was when i left and went to a different congregation and kind of went through the process but the elder body that i dealt with when i was disfellowshipped um i did feel it was very it's odd to say, but I did feel it was loving in the beginning because they were just trying to get me to come back and to say you're sorry for what you had done. But um, I had such a guilty conscience about what had happened, and I felt so horrible that um, I just I kind of felt like I didn't deserve to come back. And so they said, "Well, since you're not repentant, and we they actually say this, they will quote First Corinthians five five. And they'll say, we have to give you over to Satan. And I had heard that before, but never realized what the weight of that was. And so after hearing that, I was like, uh, what? <laughs> You're giving me over to Satan? And, like, and if anything, you know, it's supposed to be a loving arrangement. And that just sounds like the complete opposite. Well, you know, and that's why I find so weird because... And I think a lot of people that are in the church don't really understand or know the full extent of the history behind it. Because when you said that, um, it made me think of uh, um, the uh, Charles Taze Russell, <clears throat> who had, you know, the Watchtower Publishing Company and whatnot, and right. wrote the Zion's Watchtower off the bat, and the, and he was kind of like associated with um, 
Jehovah's Witnesses, only it was later named that. But he said uh, only 144,000 will be saved. And I was sitting there thinking, that's very interesting because they don't, according to their teachings and everything that I've read about it, they don't uh, believe in hell. And so they believe that, you know, <clears throat> certain people will be saved and the rest of the people that aren't saved are just basically going to go through like a hell on earth. They're not going to go to a literal hell. But if only 144,000 people are going to be saved and they believe that you have to be a Jehovah's Witness to be saved, um, there's a hell of a lot more than 144,000 members of their congregation. Right. <laughs> yeah. And I was thinking they must really think that some of their people are just shit. Yeah. Well, Am I well, wrong? Uh, that, yes and no. Um, there's so something that's important to understand in, in the beginning uh, when Russell, when Russell was there um, back then it was called the international Bible student association. Right. Um, which is still around today. Um, right. A lot of witnesses don't know that. Um, they feel that the Jehovah's Witnesses are the true religion when in actuality they were the breakoff religion. So right. This, so what had happened was uh, Russell had, he had started um, a Bible study group and he had met some other Adventist uh, preachers and pastors and had come to an agreement with them and started kind of their, um, I forgot the original gentleman that he was working with, uh, but he definitely had some Adventist um, influence on mm -hmm. his theology. And right. so as that went on, um, he had a disagreement and he parted ways. And like you said before, Zion's Watchtower, that's what it, it used to be called. Mm -hmm. um, he was, he did start Zion's Watchtower, but it was under the International Bible Student Association. So right. now once Russell had passed away, um, the theology started changing right away. Um, judge Rutherford, and so they called him judge, but from what I hear, he only served as a judge. He was an attorney, but he served as a judge for one day. And so he liked the title. <laughs> so he, kept it. Um, he became, um, he actually kind of pulled like a miscavige and strong armed his way and became the president. And <clears throat> um, after he did that, um, that's when he decided a short time after that um, in order to separate them from the other denominations because they were seeing so many breakaway groups uh, from international Bible students that he had to differentiate it. So he decided to call them Jehovah's Witnesses. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, but before that time, well, sorry, going back to your question, when Russell was around, uh, there were so few that 144,000 seemed like a huge number. Like they were not going to reach that number. But as time went on, the theology had to change in order to keep the religion going. Right. So that's why you run into, um, you see several, if you look online, people see several different beliefs. And it's kind of confusing if you don't know the, the timeline that they happened in. 
So today's Jehovah's Witnesses, they believe that the 144,000 that's talked about in the book of Revelation, those are of the, of the anointed, and those mm-hmm. are the ones that are going that have a heavenly hope. And then the rest of Jehovah's Witnesses, the ones who are, are deemed faithful enough you know, by Jehovah and Jesus, that they would uh, be here on a paradise earth. So what you were going back to was just the theology had to change. And so that's, that's what you ran into. Right. And I think um, that's true with like any religious sect, because I was born and raised a Catholic. I don't, I'm not a fan of the Catholic church now after all the research I've done, but they are the same where they have to constantly evolve because, you know, before it was like Catholics didn't believe in homosexuality and whatnot. And now we have a Pope that I like to call Satan. And it's like, you know, um, LBGTQ community and stuff. And I'm not trying to be offensive, but that's that is how religions survive and still continue to get donations is basically sucking up to the masses and quote in quote even if that's not really you know per se changing what their beliefs are but putting on that facade like they're changing their belief system to be more inclusionary so that they can keep you know the donations flowing in absolutely, and yeah. getting new members to come in, even though a lot of their old doctrine or uh, theology behind it does not ever really change. So yeah. let me ask you yeah, a I question. Mean, the first Jesuit Pope on top of it. That's, I don't know if you've right, ever looked right. into the Jesuit. Exactly. So let me ask you a question. Like, did you get into the church because your family was always in it or was it something that you found, you know, as a teenager or something like that? Yeah, actually I was raised in it. Um, my dad came into it in his early twenties. Um, but my mom, uh, she was born into it. So I'd be on her side, at least the third generation. in. so have you ever heard because, this may offend some people. However, um, we have read like through old doctrine and stuff that there's kind of some racist ties into it because they believed that uh, blacks were smited uh, when Cain killed his brother Abel and he was marked and that's how the blacks were created. And so they believed that black people were actually marked by God. Have you ever heard that being in the church? Um, or have you ever I read had, that? I had after I kind of stepped away from it. Um, I don't know exactly what it is that they're referring to. Um, Cause I've heard that uh, for other religions and I um, want to say, I heard that somebody said that about Mormons as well. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's true or not. That's just something I've heard. And I, I right. never looked into it. Um, I would say that today's witnesses are, in my opinion, are not 
prejudice. In fact, I think that's one of the things that that it's so appealing to so many people is it's supposed to be this worldwide brotherhood. And so, you know, at least in the area that I grew up in, it's kind of a melting pot of just everybody. Mm -hmm. And so it was, you know, and if you're, if you stick to the witness belief, uh, you're supposed to put your life down, you know, for your brother or sister, like if that's what it came down to. So, but uh, you're right. Unfortunately, there is some, uh, some racist ties in the past. Um, actually, I just came across some information. Um, there's a great YouTube channel uh, called Watchtower History, and mm-hmm. it's, there's no affiliation with witnesses or the Watchtower itself. Um, but these, I have not seen people do this level of research, um, like the two gentlemen that, that do this channel, and they dig up old documents, old newspaper clippings, mm-hmm. diaries. I mean, anything that they can get their hands on uh, about Jehovah's Witness history or, or the Bible students. And they actually uncovered uh, some information that uh, when the witnesses used to have a radio station, you know, they sell their airtime for commercials. Right. And they actually sold airtime to the Ku Klux Klan. Mm-hmm. And when they were asked about the Ku Klux Klan, uh, it was basically, there's, oh, well, we don't know too much about them, uh, you know, j- just kind of in denial about what they are and just kind right. of just the PR, you know, just brush it off as, oh, oh I don't know. What, what do you know about it? Kind of a thing. So would you, uh, like, I, I know a lot about, um, like, secret societies and things like that. And, you know, we have a a mutual friend in common and the show that that they just did was talking about uh, the Royal Order of Moose. My dad was a member of the Moose Lodge when we were little. And I remember that. But when you start digging into them, um, like. They had uh, KKK members. They had, you know, and a lot of these like secret societies and orders and stuff like that have, you know, ties to um, like heavy racism, like the Ku Klux Klan and and other things of that. The, the Masons are involved in literally everything. Do you know, like... For for your church, <clears throat> like that you went to, did you know of any of the members of your church that were involved in like secret society stuff? Um, see, nobody that I knew personally. Um, there's a lot of, and I would say in the XJW community, uh, there is a lot of infighting as. Yeah, um, I'm sure you ran into somebody saying that Russell was a Freemason. Right. And um, a lot of people have made that claim. And I don't have absolute proof of that. Um, although even if I did, I don't think people would believe it anyways. Because, um, I mean, what's what's going to prove it to somebody? You know, if the Freemasons came out and said, yes, Charles Days Russell was a member of the Pennsylvania Lodge or, you know, wherever he was right. a member at. Um, witnesses wouldn't believe it. They would just say, well, no, they're lying. They're obviously, you know, in line with Satan. Or if you showed a picture, people would just say, 
oh, well, that's, you know, you can Photoshop it. Um, so what I do when I look at that information, uh, I look at the language that they use and the symbology that's used. And But I would say that there's enough there to make any witness uncomfortable about the connection if they really look at it. Now, there are other ex-witnesses that have come out and said, you know, that's now, let's not even go down that rabbit hole. There's a lot of other things to worry about, um, you know, with the pedophilia and maybe the blood transfusions, which I do think are big problems. And those are definitely subjects that should be covered. Um, so so tell tell people about that, because um, like we were talking before the show, and that's one of the things that, of course, I knew just from being in the medical field. But talk about that, if you would. Oh, yeah. Um, so with the blood transfusions, um, they Jehovah's Witnesses look at blood as being sacred. And so they believe that it's so sacred um, that you should not even risk your life. So they would discourage people from even doing things like bungee jumping or skydiving because you're needlessly, they would say you're needlessly putting your life in danger when it's something that's supposed to be precious. So with the blood transfusion, um, that I don't know if it is now. I do know at one time that it was a disfellowshipping offense. Mm -hmm. um, and actually, the disfellowshipping came into play to enforce the blood doctrine of not taking the blood transfusion. That's really why, why it's there, because um, I don't know if you had a chance to look at that page that I sent you. Mm -hmm. uh, but it right. was uh, January 8, 1947, Awake, and it was, says, Are you also excommunicated? And it goes into talking about uh, the pagan origins of excommunicating somebody. Right. Uh, so they mentioned the Druids. You know, they had a form of that. Um, it was really, more than anything, early uh, witness literature and uh, Bible students, uh, they really bashed the Catholic Church. So mm -hmm. more than anything, I think it was just kind of a, a stab at the church. Um, because 14 years later, uh, yeah, back in 1961 is when they started disfellowshipping people. But it was to enforce that blood doctrine. Right. So they'll spend, like yourself being from the medical industry, um, you may have seen the elders come by. And, right. you know, they kind of make a stand, uh, you know, against the doctors and nurses and try and enforce uh, this person. If they've said, no, I don't want blood, make sure that doctors or nurses aren't sneaking it in. Right. Um, so, yeah, it's it's crazy uh, how serious they take it. And it, oddly enough, I mean, I used to feel the same way um, until I really started looking at um, at the doctrine because it, it changed over the years before it was absolutely no blood transfusion whatsoever. And then as time went on, they started saying, well, you can take blood fractions. And okay, well, I fractions, why well, isn't blood blood? And to me, it never made sense. It's just there. It's an organization that constantly flip flops on its doctrine. Mm -hmm. And like, like we said, we're talking about before. Um, they have to in order to keep a religion going. Right. So we talked before the show as well about 
uh, vaccinations because a long time ago they did not believe in vaccines at all. They were no, <laughs> they were known like heavily as anti-vaxxers, I guess, with the terminology of today. But they didn't believe yeah. in vaccines. And you said that that had recently changed. Um, and why is that? Yeah, actually, I. I can't say it's recently changed, um, but it has changed. I couldn't give you a date. I apologize. Uh, That's okay. uh, Yeah, they're really pushing for, uh, you know, that that virus that's going around um, for people to get the shot. And so even though they don't tell their members that you have to do it, um, they have come out in their videos and said that, the, the Bethel family has decided, or at least several people in the Bethel family have decided to take the vaccine. Uh, but it is a personal choice. You know, they, they leave that disclaimer. But in a Jehovah's Witness mind, if they hear that somebody in Bethel is doing it, then they would just feel that they should follow suit because mm-hmm. those are kind of the people looked at as taking a spiritual lead. So, um, at least every Jehovah's Witness that I talk to, that they're all getting vaccinated. And like I said, it's everybody's personal choice. Uh, mine is to not, uh, but I don't know. It's just to see an organization uh, manipulate people one way or another. Uh, that's that's what I have a problem with. I was just going to say that sounds very cultish um, in the aspect that like, well, if the leaders in this community are doing it, then it must be good for everybody. Or, you know, if if the leaders believe in this, then everybody else should believe it too. Right. Because, you know, they're godlike. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and that's very creepy, but that's literally what a lot of um, religious sects are all about. They really are. So what other kinds of things uh, do they believe that maybe um, once you got out, you were like, man, that really like is weird. And like, I don't know why I believe that back then. Is there anything you can think of? Um, Yeah, thinking about, well, they used to say that, well, they still say it. Uh, that it's God's spirit-directed organization. Right. And when you, you know, if anybody heard it, they would just say, oh, you know, well, it's religion, it's spiritual, not really think anything of it. Um, but the earliest writings uh, from Russell um, and even Judge Rutherford, there are references to, they don't call it channeling, mm-hmm. um, but Rutherford at one point had said, that the Holy Spirit no longer communicates, but we're getting messages from God's angels. So to me, in my mind, uh, you know, once I started studying secret societies, um, looking mm-hmm. at it, uh, uh, hearing people talk about angel channeling, um, it sounds to me a lot like the Mormon religion. Um, You could say it even sounds like Crowley, you know, Mm -hmm. talking, you know, getting messages from AWOS. A hundred percent. Yep. You automatic writing. Um, It, you know, like any uh, high control group or or a cult, if you want to call it that, 
um, they come up with different terminology for the same word. Do you think they do that to um, disguise their true intentions or true meaning from their members? At this point, I it's feel that like, they do. Yeah. Yeah. And it, and it's kind of, and I think about that in the aspect that like now language doesn't mean what you think it means. And we make up all these new words for, you know, something that's existed for a long time. But if we put this nice little bow on it and change the name, then, then it won't make people focus on it so much as a negative connotation. I guess that's what I'm getting right. at. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it's, yeah. When I started finding, looking into that, um, there's, there's quite a bit of information out there about that. Um, and I would, I would tell, you know, if any Jehovah's witnesses actually come across this, um, even their book, uh, they don't, they don't offer it anymore. It's out of print. Um, so you'd have to find almost an antique copy now. Uh, but the one, gosh, I'm drawing a blank here. The one with the winged sun disc, the, the finished mystery, uh, there's a series, I think there's six or seven volumes in that series. And in that book, there's, there are references to Russell receiving information from angels, um, and things about the pyramid of Giza. Uh, I was just thinking about that. Yeah, it's, it gets really weird. So I would, and I would even say the last kingdom hall that I attended, uh, last time I was in one. Uh, there, they actually had that book encased in glass, like hanging up on the wall. And because they view it as like part of, you know, their spiritual lineage or their history. And so it's, yeah. uh, most people haven't read it um, and they don't know about it, but you can find PDF versions online. And, but I would definitely recommend people look at the old writings because it reads a very, some of it very occultic, um, some people chalk it up to, you know, English was just different back then. Um, but I don't know. There's words in there that weren't really used unless, you know, you were involved in some kind of fraternal organization. So whether exactly masonry or, I don't know, the, the Golden Dawn or one of these groups, they're, um, I, I just, I recommend people, people give that a read. Yeah, and it's it's funny that you mentioned that series of books because um, when I was researching stuff, I looked into that and Russell had written like a series of books and then they were like, oh, geez, maybe we should change the name of some of these. But it was, it was the weirdest stuff. It was about um, sacrifice and the uh, pyramidology, he was real big into that. Yeah. Which was really weird because he felt like um, the the Bible or the scripture was the pyramid. And, you know, uh, hello, what's, what's the pyramid symbolized yeah. <laughs> in every other <laughs> occult, satanic, whatever society. But. You know, I also found that interesting his uh, perspectives on like Zionism and, 
you know, he told Jews not to uh, convert to Christianity and things like that, and that their homeland was Palestine, and, you know, that he claimed Jesus came, or Jesus, when he was here before, was a man, and he wasn't, uh, he didn't have any special powers. He was just a man until he was crucified, and that's when he got his, you know, basically his glory. But then they said that uh, he came back to Earth in 1914. And then, of course, when they were like, people were questioning him about it, he said, oh, it's, well, he he's back. You just don't know who he is. He's here. And so people kind of started thinking he was a little cuckoo. Oh. <laughs> you know um, what I'm saying? Yeah, but then yeah, it was weird yeah. because, like, he died in 1916. And then when they erected his gravestone, they also, the Watchtower built a seven-foot pyramid behind his gravestone. Yeah. so That is weird. Yeah, it is weird. Um now that pyramid came sometime after he died. It wasn't right. immediate, um, but the pyramid was supposed to be kind of a monument for uh, the people who were at Bethel that had passed away. Cause it's not just his name on it. There's several names there, mm-hmm. but I, you know, I agree. It's odd that especially if somebody claiming to be, you know, a Christian pastor and, you know, you're involved in pyramidology um, there was a lot of it going on at the time. Um, I found uh, just recently, actually just yesterday, I found a Masonic book um, that talks about the Pyramid of Giza and pyramidology. Um, there was another man, um, I'm drawing a blank on his name, but he's actually in the preface of one of the books, The Divine Plan of the Ages. Mm-hmm. And uh, in order, uh, normally when authors get somebody to do the, the preface for them, they're at least acquaintances or a friend or they have high respect for one another. Um, and I don't know this for sure yet. Uh, we're still looking into it. Uh, there's me and some other individuals. Um, I've kind of been networking with uh, some people uh some are Freemasons. Um, there's somebody's a Rosicrucian that I've been talking to, uh, very knowledgeable. Uh, but the this man um, is believed to be a Rosicrucian, and he wrote the preface to to that. Um, now we're still looking into it, so I could be wrong, but that's that's what it's pointing to so far. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when I get confirmation of that, I'll definitely be posting posting more about it. So. Tell everybody that doesn't know, because I, I I know people have heard us mention it a couple times, but what is Watchtower? So the Watchtower uh, for witnesses is the main uh, learning tool that they give. So they would call that, um, they dispense spiritual food. Uh, comes from the faithful and discreet slave, which are the, the guys at the top at Bethel. Um, and then it gets dispersed to everybody else. And so it, uh, it's changed over the years, but it's basically their monthly magazine that goes out. And I'm not sure if they're still doing it monthly. It might be every other month now. 
it seems like they're cutting back on their literature more and more. Um, so I, I could be wrong. Uh, but uh, when I started looking into watchtowers, um, it was kind of disturbing uh, because this this organization is so against anything of the occult or anything that could lead back to paganism. And talking to uh, different Wiccans and talk to uh, some people in the Golden Dawn, uh, watchtowers are used. Not no, not the magazine. But watchtowers are used in magic ritual. Mm -hmm. So for an organization that's so concerned of not being associated with those things, their main teaching tool is a watchtower. Mm -hmm. So um, if you... That they also call food. Yeah. Yeah, it's spiritual food. That's weird. Yeah. So I would say, let me see here. So there's a book... Um, the Occult Encyclopedia, and if anybody gets a chance, I'd recommend they they take a look at that. And it kind of goes into talking about John Dee. Um, he was a magician for Queen Elizabeth uh, way back when, and he, as far as I know, he was one of the first to use watchtowers. Um, mm -hmm. And but in the belief, the Anakian beliefs is. It's basically a doorway. So, right. you know, if they do these magic rituals, watchtowers are supposed to be at all the cardinal points. So north, east, south, and west. And there's supposedly, um, and they call it a Gregori, uh, which is essentially a fallen angel, or in, in witness terms, they would just call it a demon that's right. guarding that. Um, but if you look at, like... Uh, Diana of Ephesus, um, her idol actually has a watchtower on her head. And according to Manly P. Hall, uh, he was a 33-degree Mason, and he said in his book that uh, Diana of Ephesus uh, basically dispersed spiritual food. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Yeah, so now witnesses would have no idea about this because they're told to stay away from the occult and to not have anything to do with it. So nobody would ever really be able to find out. And if anybody was to talk about that to them, you know, whether or not they were a witness before, you know, they mm -hmm. would just say, oh, well, you know, you're in line with Satan because you're trying to make God's organization look bad. Mm -hmm. So trying to share information with Jehovah's Witnesses is really hard. Um, yeah, I, don't, I was gonna, I was gonna ask you about that because, um, my husband said he had that discussion with, with somebody that, you know, he worked with one time that was a JW and he was like, you know, this is their doctrine. This is what they believe, you know, whatever. And he's telling him all of this stuff and he's like, oh, whatever, man. He's like, I grew up in this and. That's just the way it is. It's just, you know, it's my life. That's uh, just what I've always known. And it's like, like brush off anything he tried to tell him. And it's, it's kind of like with any society, like um, any kind of cult members or anything like that. I lived in Waco when the whole Waco thing oh, wow. went down. And you cannot talk to people. Um, that are so staunch in their belief system or what they've grown up in 
um, in a lot of instances, they don't they don't see it. They don't want to see it. Um, like you're nuts if you say something to them. Right. Oh, I have to share this with you, Janet. So talking about Waco, most people don't know this, but the spiritual lineage that led up to that group in Waco um, really started from the Millerites. Mm-hmm. And the Millerites, you know, were kind of an Adventist movement, and then the Adventists, and then Jehovah's Witnesses or Bible right. students. So there's, unfortunately, Jehovah's Witnesses share a spiritual lineage with Waco. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, even this I knew. Are, I knew this. Yeah. So it most most have no idea about that, and I I was shocked when I found that out. Myself. Yeah, and it was it was weird because. Um, like I was going to school for another degree while I was down there and I had gone to several classes with a lot of people that were from the branch Davidians, you know, and they were interesting people to talk to. They were all very nice and stuff. But when um, the government started moving in, uh, they disappeared from classes and you could no longer reach them. Like, you know, a lot of schools or whatnot call and check on the students if they don't show up or whatnot. But communication was like gone. Oh, wow. So, yeah, it was an yeah, interesting time. People. Yeah, I was always curious about that, you know, because it seemed like they were a pretty small sect. Yeah. But to have that much weight, you know come down on them yeah i I was wondering what you know what names they they knew about or (laughs) it is definitely not um anything like what the media portrayed um and i'll just throw this in for good measure at the time i was dating one of the atf agents that was down there for that um but uh, what was portrayed in in you know all the <laughs> fake news media stuff is not what was going on at all. It was it's a complete and total bullshit story. Absolutely bullshit. Wow. So yeah, I can believe that. Definitely. So interesting times, but it's so interesting how like so many of these things tie together and like people are so um i don't want to say brainwashed that's a bad word but so um dead set and deep into you know what they've been told for years and years and years repeatedly you know and it's like what's going on nowadays where if you tell a lie long enough people will start to believe it and I think that's what a lot of the churches and stuff are like. Yeah. And I don't mean that disrespectfully, but there are some things out there in and I every every religious uh belief system in every church I've ever been to um has the same kind of thing where their teachings are all different. Um they take, you know, one tenet and twist it into something else for another sect. And, you know, like, uh, 
you know, like the Holy Trinity doesn't exist or did not at the time. And Jehovah's Witnesses, they didn't believe in that. Other churches um, only believe partially in that. Other churches believe fully in that. And it's it's kind of funny how um, like every belief system is completely different. Yeah. Yeah. We. Yeah. My wife and I, we've been kind of exploring other uh, other religions. Um, I think we're, we definitely lean more towards uh, Christianity, mm-hmm. uh, but, you know, don't belong to a church. Yeah, I don't either. You know, so, but I, you know, I think the Bible is important. Um, you know, the, what Jesus taught, like, I feel that it's important. And um, so we just, we do our best to try and stick to that and uh, nothing else. Yeah, and see, that's me because, um, like, I went to Catholic school. I was raised a Catholic um, when I got to be, you know, in my 20s or whatnot, and I wasn't going because, you know, when you grow up in Catholic school, you have to go to Catholic Mass. It's required. Um, But, like, the older I got and I started looking into other things, went to different churches, um, stuff like that. But for me, I believe in God first and foremost, but my connection with him is not through a building. Yeah, my connection exactly. with him is through me and through, you know, uh, my, I'm going to say works or deeds, actions, um, things like that, how I live my life and my conversations with him in a personal manner. It definitely does not need to be in a building surrounded by other people that you know are not doing the right thing. Right. <laughs> right. Yep. You know what I'm saying? That. Yeah. You know, oh. when I went through my ordeal, I was, you know, I, part of me was upset because I had actually come forward with what I had done and I, I was looking for forgiveness. Uh, I just felt so bad about what I had done. Um, but I knew people dirt that other people had done. Right. And, you know, they were looking at me so judgmentally and I was like, well, the difference between me and you is I've admitted to what I've done, but you're still hiding Mm -hmm. it. Right. You know, so it's, I mean, there's always going to be a level of hypocrisy, you know, no matter where you go, you know, no, nobody's perfect. So, uh, I got a I got a personal question. Do you yeah. want to tell me like what you did, or is that a no? Oh, um, you don't no, have to. No, I'm not, I don't want to put you on the spot. No, no. I've 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 said it. Um, I was on William Ramsey's uh, show, and uh, I I was talking to him about that. Um, yeah. So my first wife and I were kind of drawing away from each other, um, uh-huh. and she was pursuing uh, more. Uh, she she wanted to become a pioneer, and so that's when you dedicate. Uh, I think at the time it was like sixty hours or fifty hours a month to the preaching work. Uh, so whether you see witnesses on the street or you receive a letter from them in the mail or somebody's knocking on your door, like that's that's a requirement. Not not to pioneer, but the preaching work is a requirement for Jehovah's Witnesses. Um. So she was really getting involved in that, and uh, she had kind of given up a well a well paying job to pursue it. And so, honestly, part of me was a little uh, resentful 
uh, that mm-hmm. she had done that. And really it had happened without, without a conversation. And so, uh, yeah. So anyways, we were drawing, drawing away from each other and, um, another woman had started paying attention to me, um, at work and we got to, we were getting to know each other over the course of time. And, um, my wife and I ended up separating and then I ended up with, with that woman and, uh, you know, we just got together. And so since I was dating somebody that was not a witness and I was still technically married, you know, they looked at that as adultery. So I, and I did feel bad about it, but you know, it's happened and I'm past it now. Uh, Fortunately, I have a wonderful wife now and uh, we completely understand each other. She kind of lived uh, the same life as me, just a female version of it. Had gone through uh, bad marriages and uh, mm-hmm. dealt with some crazy people, unfortunately. But, um, but yeah, so that's that's what happened. That's what got me disfellowshipped. Um, eventually, I did work my way into getting reinstated. Um, so I'm technically, I still am a Jehovah's Witness. Um, but I just, I haven't been going for several years. So they, they just call it being inactive. And so when you're inactive, they pretty much just kind of leave you alone. Um, uh, supposedly the elders are supposed to reach out at least once a year to see if they can, they can have you come back or if you're interested in coming back, getting, re, uh, getting going again, they call it reactivated. Uh, but I haven't heard anything. And so honestly, I'm glad because I just, I try and keep my distance as much as I can. And uh, overall, like, you know, I don't want to leave a message of Jehovah's Witnesses are horrible people because they're wonderful people, in my opinion. Um, There are some bad ones, but the reason why I come out and I do this and I share information and kind of put myself in harm's way, uh, because if I, if I get discovered, I will not have a relationship with my family, mm-hmm. but I do this out of love for my family, for my friends that I've kind of left behind um, because I hope that they wake up. I hope one day my information reaches somebody that maybe they can share it with, with them or a future generation that can save people from, from a lot of pain and heartache. From being yeah. And group. I, c- I can understand that because um, like I said, me growing up like in the Catholic church, um, and then researching like really deep into the Vatican and, oh, all of the stuff that they have done. And I did a huge episode, um, with my friend, uh, Jack Allen from conspiracy or just a coincidence pod. I did, we did a whole long episode on the Vatican. And that was my point is to get the message out there. If you're still a practicing Catholic, uh, good for you. But I want you to know things that are going on. And I think that's the point with a lot of us is they want, we want to expose like uh, things that people are not aware of and, yeah. and don't know. And this this is going to sound like a really uh, insane question, maybe. No, but one of, <laughs> one of the things that I was reading about when I was learning about, you know, disfellowshipping, a.k.a. excommunication, 
and this goes back a long, long way, but, um, you know, how, like they already said that, uh, Masons couldn't be, um, they were already excommunicated. There were several different groups that were already excommunicated under quote canon law of the Roman Catholic church, but excommunication, like we talked about earlier, didn't start in until, you know, <clears throat> long after that time. But one of the things that the Greeks believed in was that if um, a person is excommunicated and they die, the devil enters their body. And so the family members of those excommunicated people uh, were supposed to cut up and dismember the body and boil it in wine. Yeah. Now, let me ask you, do you know, are there any um, ritualistic or sacrificial or uh, ritual abuse, things like that, that you're aware of? Um, nothing to that extent, um, that I know of, but I, I will say that's one of the things that kind of started to wake me up was I had a friend and where she had grown up, um, her, her dad was supposedly an elder. Um, but even if he wasn't, um, he was still a Jehovah's witness. Um, he had made her go through some type of ritual abuse. Mm -hmm. um, and it, was, it wasn't like it was a one-time thing. There were several things that had happened to her and uh, just, you know, ritual rape, uh, forced to drink, you know, the unthinkable. I mm -hmm. uh, don't want to get too graphic, but um, anything that, you know, I'm sure people have heard about ritual abuse, right. um, she had endured. And, uh, one day I came home and my parents had sat me down and they, they said, Hey, we want to, we want to talk to you. And, and my, my friend, she was older, um, and married and her and her husband were sitting there and they're like, Hey, we, we really want to tell you something. And so they, they explained to me that she had gone through some terrible abuse as a child. And because of it, she had developed split personalities. And she said, you know, one of my personalities would like to talk to you. Is that okay? And I was just a teenager, so I was kind of taken back. And I, I had heard of it before, but I didn't quite believe it um, until that moment. And so then this little girl's voice came out of this grown woman's body. And her mannerisms changed. Her eye movement changed. Um, I mean, everything. The way she carried herself. <laughs> Um, it was the oddest thing. And so she talked to me for a few minutes and I was just, I didn't freak out um, outwardly, but inside I was like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, and, uh, so I felt so, you know, as time went on, I found out more and more about it. Um, but that was one of the things that kind of woke me up to, to the, organization was uh, they they say that when elders are selected or even when somebody it's decided that somebody can get baptized in the religion like you it's not like other churches where you can just come in and there's like some revival going on and they're baptizing a bunch of people you have to go through a series of questions basically aligning yourself with their doctrine 
uh, before you can become a Jehovah's Witness and get baptized. So like a secret society does. Yeah. Yeah. You could say that. Um, so they do they kind of dig into your background? No, not so much. Um, it would be more of like a personal, most people have a personal relationship with the person who who's their Bible study teacher. So if you grow up in it, it's it's supposed to be your father. But if there's an unbelieving, you know, father in the house, then, you know, usually an elder or maybe somebody who's pioneering might be selected to study with that person. Um, so anyways, it it's decided that the Holy Spirit deems it acceptable for somebody to come into the religion. So whether you're baptized or become a ministerial servant or an elder or a circuit overseer, it's basically you're getting the blessing from Holy Spirit that it is okay to move forward. Uh, so just hearing that, you know, he got baptized, he became an elder, and, you know, that to me seems like something that would be extremely hard to hide from people, let alone from God. I mean, if it's his Holy Spirit. So they said that essentially this, you know, Satan worshiper or somebody that's putting their child through ritual abuse or even sexually abusing them um, said it's okay to join their religion. So from at that point, I said, you know, things aren't adding up. I, I need to look further in, into this. And so I did. I started looking into satanic ritual abuse, uh, secret societies, Bohemian Grove. Uh, I mean, you name it. And, you know, I was just reading as much as I could. And that was... I think uh, it was Jim Mars. He wrote "Ruled by Secrecy." And I know a lot of people put him down because they feel he was like a, a Scientology shell. But <clears throat> he, his book, helped me open my eyes to some of the things that were happening, and mm-hmm. he kind of touched on uh, some of the things that were happening in the World Wars. You know, seeing that sometimes Nazis and American soldiers. We're, you know, sending supplies back and forth to each other. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of things happening behind the scenes that the media wasn't talking about. But, right. there were, you know, there were accounts of it elsewhere in people's diaries and journals and, you know, what, what have you. And so that really started to uh, dismantle some of the beliefs that I had in the, in the theology. Yeah. And, you know, um, like I have watched, I, I'm real big into like um, forensic files and, you know, crime shows and things like that. Maybe um, <laughs> like occult stuff and, you right. know, serial killers and whatnot. But I, I watched a, a show about, uh, a, it was a lady when they did the interview, but she had endured repeated molestation and abuse um, from elders and she kept trying to report it and people are like oh you're you're a liar like elder so and so would never do that blah 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 and it's like they she was being almost like passed around to all Mm -hmm. these different uh, like people within the church and whatnot um, they weren't taking her serious. The elders were like making her out to be crazy. 
uh, her family got mad at her because her family was like, oh, the church said they didn't do it, so they must have not done it, you know, whatnot. And this went on for such a long time that this happened. And this is the same kind of stuff that happens like in the Catholic church all the time where it's like um, repeated sexual offenses, repeated like abuse of children, ritualistic behavior and whatnot. And and it's like they all deny it happens, sweep it under the rug, um, act like the people are crazy that are reporting these things. It was it was really sad and disheartening to watch. She wrote letters uh, to whatever the head, wherever the headquarters is. I'm having a brain fart. Oh, to um, yeah. So she even like went there um, as an adult. And after she finally got out, you know, she kept writing all these letters. Nobody would respond other than basically to tell her she was nuts and, you know, she was uh, disfellowshipped and all of that stuff. But she even went there to try to talk to somebody and she waited for like eight hours because they told her, you know, so-and-so will be out with you in just a few minutes and they never showed up. But like the whole thing was heartbreaking because she could describe in detail everything that everyone had ever done. Yeah. And it was so sad. And I think that happens not just saying in in JW, but like in any um church or organization or things like that, when people think they can get away with it, they'll do it. Yeah. I it's so sad. It's oh boy, Ed Opperman had done a show, and I, gosh, I feel bad. I forget this woman's name, um, but it was it was something along the lines of like the right of sodomy in the mm-hmm. Catholic Church, right? And um, but it was like a huge, huge volume book, like over a thousand pages. And just experience, but she had gone into talking about how it's in every single organization. Oh, 100%. Catholic Church to Jehovah's Witnesses to Buddhist to, you know, the Boy Scouts to, I mean, I'm sure with the stuff that you look at, it, you probably get, you know, advertisements in your feed for like, you know, attorneys wanting to help for some kind of, you know, that happened in the church or something. Um, but yeah, it's it's a rampant problem everywhere, unfortunately. And um, yeah, it's uh, it's just to me that's it's one of the most disgusting things that somebody can do is take that away from somebody. Uh, agreed. And it, there's so many people um, like secret societies are definitely tied uh, to the churches, uh, uh, judges, attorneys healthcare professionals, you name it. And so they have like this huge network of people to protect them when they do these kind of things. And, you know, look at how many like, um, like last year in Pennsylvania, you know, the, uh, the judge that like was found, uh, to have committed like all kinds of sexual assaults on minors and whatnot, and he got like a month 
Oh my God. suspended sentence a month. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, uh, all these, there's, they place so many people in high up positions everywhere that none of them ever pay for their crimes of, you know, like the Catholic church was really big on assaulting uh, children, um, yeah. carrying out uh, sexual escapades in the basements of churches or, you know, uh, nude photographs or, you know, whatever. That's why I'm oh, no longer yeah. a member mm. of the Catholic Church. But um, the Catholic Church was also real big into um, torture and abuse and sacrifice and woo, all kinds of stuff. Yeah, you know, that used to be one of the talking points that Jehovah's Witnesses would use, you know, when they, you know, just growing up in it, hearing people, I, I don't understand how people can stay Catholic after they found out about all this child abuse. And, you know, people had heard rumors of, you know, nuns having to get abortions. Right. Uh, you know, things like. Oh, yeah, because like they got that. assaulted by the priest. Yeah. Yeah. But, but I mean, witnesses are just as guilty. Um and for people that don't believe that or don't want to believe that, I would invite them to look at the Australian Royal Commission. Uh, the witnesses that do know about it say that it's apostate lies. Um, but right. the Australian Royal Commission didn't just go after witnesses. They went after several organizations that had alleged sexual abuse. And right. so it was an, an investigation to look into um, how bad of a problem it was and what can be done about it. And mm -hmm. I would tell people that um, the, one of the governing body members um, actually volunteered to do it willfully. And that's part of his testimony. So this isn't something that's apostate. Like this is your governing body member took the stand. Mm -hmm. And for a witness, their belief is, you know, they almost look at them like the Pope. Um, even though they say that they're not, they're imperfect men and they're not infallible, they can make mistakes, but they're looked at in high regard. Right. Um, but godlike. Yeah. When I watched it, I watched him lie on the stand. He told outright lies. And the way witnesses uh, justify it, or the way they would justify it, is they call it theocratic warfare. Mm -hmm. They would say, because this is God's organization, when outside sources want information, um, that they don't have to be privy to it. So it's, right. they basically say a roundabout way of saying it's okay to lie in those instances. Right. Which is exactly what they tell secret society members to do. Yep. Protect the organization at all cost. And it doesn't matter what happened. You covered up, you lie. Um, you know, you don't tell the meaning of things. You don't tell what happens in secret. Now, I have a question for you because okay. I used to work with a, a lady that um, her husband and his whole entire family were uh, JWs. They made her become one for them to get married. Why is it that... Um, a lot of the uh, kingdom halls don't have windows. Origin, I don't know 
like what their their reasoning for that is because i have been in some kingdom halls that do have windows um it kind of depends on the area that they're in um but you're right the majority do not have windows um i think it's really in my my opinion it was to differentiate them from other religions so what which is weird because like the masonic lodges and a lot of the other um, occult places don't have windows either, but I always wondered, and and here's why I ask you that question. Um, they were very like weird with her and very like overprotective, overbearing, whatnot. She got really, really sick. And she was like calling me and just like, something is wrong with me. Like, these are my symptoms. What's going on? I was like, you need to go to the hospital immediately because it sounds like you have pancreatic cancer. And so like his family kind of like swooped in and like, almost formed kind of like a weird barrier around her wouldn't let her communicate with anybody kind of like um shoved her away from her family members and stuff like that um and it got to the point where it was so weird that she called me at like three o'clock in the morning and she's like from the hospital and she's like i just uh signed a paper where you have like power attorney over me and you have access to all of my red medical records. I need you to go look at everything, come in and tell me what's going on. But it's like once she got sick and got hospitalized, they like pushed her away from her family, pushed her away from her coworkers. And it's like performing this like protective wall around her where, you know, whatever. And, one time, like, um, she was telling me, like, they went to, you know, the hall for some kind of service or something when she finally got out and she was trying to go through cancer treatments and whatnot. And it's like they had these little slit windows, but they covered them all up and did some kind of, like, weird thing with her in there while the windows were covered and i was like i I don't know well that's odd yeah i i haven't heard of anything like that myself although at this point i don't know not too much surprises me anymore (laughs) um if anything i'm just you know hearing it from the outside um witnesses get very concerned about uh any kind of medical uh, treatment that needs to be done. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so indoctrinated in them on the blood issue. And they just, they're, they're not like Scientology where they don't want to take medications. Like if anything, I, witnesses probably have the highest uh, rate of like antidepressants and right. You know, what have you. Um, so they're not opposed to medications, but it sounds like, you know, they're just, they were trying to keep her just associated with other witnesses to remind her of how important the their blood doctrine is. Um, they just so called it like, 
that she said they called it a special service. Huh. And I was like, I don't know what that is. And of course it was like, you're not allowed to talk about it. That's all she would tell me. But like every place I've ever like lived and I've, I've lived in a lot of States. Um, but like every, uh, kingdom hall I've seen has no windows. And I just find that really weird. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're not alone. A lot of people do feel that way. You know, especially if you think of a religious building, um, you know, so many churches have, you know, beautiful stained glass windows or, mm-hmm. you know, what have you. It's like I said, I think it's really to differentiate them from other religions. Um, but also what we're finding now is uh, they would tell you that if anything, the organization is increasing in membership. Uh, but to anybody on the outside, especially in the XJW community, it looks like they're bleeding members just right. because of COVID. Nobody meets at the Kingdom Hall. All the meetings are done on Zoom. And all witnesses are terrified of getting COVID. And I, I forgot the official number. They came out recently and said what it was. But it's, you know, in the thousands uh, worldwide who had passed away from it. And they actually came out and said that they will not be meeting in a kingdom hall until they know for a certain that nobody is going to catch COVID meeting in the hall. So I don't know if that means they're going to suggest everybody get a vaccination or if they're just not going to meet in the kingdom halls anymore. Um, Because if you look at it, it's a perfect business model. So they're a religion. So they're that 501c3. So they're tax exempt. Mm -hmm. Um, They get free labor because Mm -hmm. it's all voluntary work. Right. Um, The majority of materials that comes in comes from donations. Uh, from its members, right? And the halls are built for free. Um, and then, if there was any type of loan that was taken out, it has to get paid back by the congregation, which is just more donations from the congregation. So, not only are they building the kingdom halls, they're paying for it, and now they're not able to meet there. And I think because there's so much uh, sexual abuse allegations that have that's being fought in court right now. Mm-hmm. And the majority of them, they're losing. Um, right. So it's, you know, it's in in the hundreds of millions of dollars at this point. Right. Um, they're selling off Kingdom Halls. And, it, you know, actually, I shouldn't say that. I don't know for a fact, but I do know it's it's a high number in the millions. But they are, for a fact, selling off Kingdom Halls, um, especially in the UK for some reason. Right. I'm not, I'm not sure why, but um, so... You, like I said, it's this perfect business model. You get free labor, free materials, you're tax exempt. And then you have, in some cases, buildings because of the location or neighborhoods that they're in, you know, it's worth a million dollars or more. Right. Which is, you know, an interesting thing in itself, because it kind of sounds like the way our government set up these days. Let's uh, take the taxpayer dollars and let's fund uh, abortions in Namibia or let's uh, send so much money for gender studies to, you know, whatever country or, 
you know, let's fund this war or that war all on the back of the taxpayer dollars. And it sounds kind of like the same thing where your congregation is expected to just give and give and give. And we want to build a new building. We want to, you know, whatever. So who's going to pay for all the lawsuits? Right. Well, are, are they going to collect money from, yeah, I mean, you know, the members have, for whatever buildings they can't sell? I, I are they going to come back to the congregation and be like, yeah, you know what? We could use some more money. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, <laughs> cough that, it up. That used to be, that used to be one of their talking points was they would say, and I think it was even Russell. He said something along the lines of, um, as we will never ask for money because when it comes to us, when it comes to that point, that means we no longer have, you know, God's affections or it was something along those lines. It was no longer being blessed by God. So uh, they, they aren't coming out and saying, you know, there's no tithing. Um, you're not required to give a certain amount, uh, but it is encouraged now and they actually do it you know, online, they'll mention things, you know, say the, um, just recently they were saying, uh, you know, we'll even take, uh, your RVs. We're looking for RVs. I think 2005 and, and up if you're willing to donate them. And okay, they for, what, for purpose? what purpose? Yeah. They, nobody said yet. So I, I don't know. That's just something that I heard about this past weekend. Um, there's another radio show called The Six Screens, The Watchtower, and a gentleman named Rick Farron, and he's been doing doing it for about 14 years, I believe. And so he's really um, been at the forefront trying to just share inf whatever information that he can. And so he has uh, a lot of feelers out there, a lot of people feeding him information. And so some people are even in Bethel that feed him information. You get get to hear some of the inside scoop on a lot of things. Um, yeah, it's it's disturbing to say the least, and you know, and it makes me angry because I feel like I'm watching old friends and family getting taken advantage of by an organization, and as it is, like they encourage people to not go to college. So mm -hmm. without a college degree doesn't mean you can't get a high paying job, but the likeliness of it is a lot less. So mm -hmm. the majority of witnesses are, you know, blue collar jobs, janitorial service, window cleaners, gardeners, you know, construction workers. And not, there's nothing wrong with any of those things. But, you know, you're asking for money from people that are more likely living check to check. If that. Right. But, you know, too, on the aspect of that, You've also uh, encouraging people um, to stay at a certain level of education. And when you do that, people, they assume people can't question, can't right. critically think. Um, so it's like the way things are now just out in society as a whole, like if you dumb people down enough, you can get away with anything. Yeah, because people no longer critically think or um, it, it learn or educate or know how to research or, you know, whatever. So it's easier for them to get away with snowing the masses. Absolutely. You know, that's the thing is they 
witnesses don't realize it, but they're really kept in constant fear. Mm-hmm. And I, when I was in it, I didn't realize it until I got out of it and looking back at it. Um, because growing up in it, um, I don't know if you've ever like looked through any of their literature, mm-hmm. um, but there's a lot of apocalyptic imagery. I mean, a hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, people, you know, there's pictures of people like moments before their death, whether it's fire from heaven or the earth is swallowing them up or, you know, angels are about to slaughter them. It, you know, those are the things that I grew up with. Like that was my childhood. Yeah. Um, it's like a yeah. focus on, on revelations yeah. in the, you know, and yeah. the, uh, fiery pits of hell that are going to be awaiting everyone and everyone's gonna you know like remember uh like years ago i'm sure you're older like i am but um like years ago when when the big fear was spontaneous combustion where all these people would just miraculously like combust and like vaporize into nothing into dust and it was like this big deal in the media and like, oh my God, like I, we don't know why everybody's spontaneously combusting and blah, blah, blah. But it's like, it's the weirdest thing because I was telling you before the show, like not now, but where we used to live, literally they came to our house constantly. And like I used to hide from them. Like I'd see them walking down the sidewalk or <laughs> something i'd see them in the window and i would like hide purposely so they couldn't like talk to me or whatnot but they always stick literature in the door and the everything they ever left at the house which they only caught me once and they snuck up on me when i was mowing the grass and had ear pods in yep and they got me and so you know i knew they did not like uh, the Catholic church. And I knew this and I've known this for a long time. And so they're like, Oh, you should like come to a fellowship service and blah, 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 and they're doing their spiel. And, um, do you know God? And I'm like, actually I do. I have a very close, uh, tie to God. Uh, through my faith in the Catholic Church, and I've been a Catholic, a staunch Catholic, my entire life, you know, and I just really believe in the Catholic Church doctrine. They did not stay very long. <laughs> after yeah. That. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I've had people that just were trying to get rid of me, and they, yeah. just, or I worship Satan. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, have a nice day. You know, you're like, we do too. Thanks, dude. Yeah. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Just kidding. Just oh, pulling your leg. <laughs> oh no, no. It's you know, it's oh that, that's the thing. There's so many and I'll say this, like people who are rude to to witnesses, um, they have such a uh the word. Well, they're just taught that it's the world is against them. Everything right. that is not a witness is of Satan's world. Exactly. So Satan's world is going to attack you one way or another. So when when people are rude to witnesses or if they verbally attack them or, you know, if somebody's trolling one of their pages or something, um, they would feel that, well, I'm under attack from Satan and it just strengthens their conviction. Right. And things that, so 
really the only way to get through to them is, in my opinion, is just to be loving. And eventually they'll see that because that, that's what happened to me. Um, like for my wife, I, that I'm, that I'm married to now, um, she was still a believer when I started doubting and I never pushed it on her. But the thing is, is I saw the similarities in other cults or other high control groups. And I just showed her those other groups little by little. Mm -hmm. And to where eventually I, I saw it was making her uncomfortable. And so I felt bad because I wasn't trying to make her uncomfortable, but there's a physical response that will come because emotionally, you know, that cognitive dissonance kicks in and you're trying to, you know, make something okay or make something make sense, even though you have knowledge, you know, (laughs) that would say otherwise. Um, there was a show called The Following. I don't know if you ever. Oh saw yeah, that. yeah, yeah. We yeah, watched so that. We were watching that show, and which I thought it was a great show. Uh, but one of the agents, um, she had gotten out of a cult, and she went back to it to talk to her mm-hmm. parents. And I think she was trying to reconcile, but also to get some possible information about who they were looking for. But the way the parents treated her when she came back, you know, they're like. I can't believe you're here. You're, you've embarrassed us and your family. And mm-hmm. you, I looked over at my wife and I was like, does that sound familiar to you? And she goes, Oh my God, absolutely. Like, but she was literally squirming in her chair because of that emotional response. It, I don't know. There's just, there's something about that. Um, there's a, a doctor and he wrote a book called, um, I believe it's called mind control. Uh, Steve, Steve Hausen, or Hausen, I, I apologize if I'm pronouncing that wrong. Um, and I would suggest for witnesses, if you can get a hold of his, uh, I know for sure his first edition of that book does not mention anything about Jehovah's Witnesses, uh, but he came out of the Moonies and um, basically his parents had to kidnap him and get him out and get him deprogrammed. And once he snapped out of it, he he devoted his life to trying to expose cults. And so all the other cults that he mentions in his book, like without talking about Jehovah's Witnesses, is a wonderful tool to use to try and wake people up because they could at least read it and witnesses think that everything else is wrong except them. But if they're reading about these other groups and seeing the similarities in them, like mm-hmm. that, I think is such a powerful tool that that can be used by the XJW community, or really any religious community, if you know if they're a high control group. Um, mm-hmm. But I would highly recommend. Yeah, another that. another group that is like that is Scientology, because they are whoo super duper controlled and you know excommunicate you and like they're. Your family's never allowed to speak to you again. Your friends are not allowed to speak to you again. Like, oh, yeah, you're, it's you're, a it's a messed up thing. Like, super, and even your kids. Like, if you, you know, like leave the church and you know whatever. Like, your kids are not supposed to talk to you either. So it's it's really messed up. Yeah, it's so. you know, it. We said before, it's really similar to the witnesses. I mean, they do the same 
the same thing. And, yeah, that's um, very it's not scary. On the level of Scientology, like Scientology is way more aggressive, um, but they're just as strict about it. That's really sad, but I seriously appreciate you coming on here and um, spreading some truth that maybe people are not aware of. If we have listeners that um, are a JW, uh, hopefully you'll listen to this with an open mind. Um, if not, you know, we're going to keep trying. We're going to keep trying to get the word out spread information and and see because even affecting one person uh is a win so yeah, mr absolutely. jack i thank you for coming on today where can they find you at my dear um i have a facebook um under jack pine research and an instagram as well uh, those are really the only two places I really share information. Um, there's a YouTube channel. There's not much on there. Just a couple few videos I was messing around with. Um, so if you want some visualizations, just maybe some of the things we were talking about, um, I'd suggest looking at my Instagram page or my Facebook page. Um, if anybody has questions, um, you know, I'm more than happy to try and answer them the best I can. Um, I really get into more of the occult. Um, aspects of things on those pages. Uh, but I would invite you to uh, anybody suffering from any type of abuse. Uh, there's an organization called silentlambs.org and you can get in touch with them uh, for witnesses that might be waking up. Uh, the John Cedars channel, or Lloyd, Lloyd Evans is his real name. Um, he does fantastic work. Um, the six screens of the watchtower, if you more uh, conspiratorial minded, um, that has some interesting information there as well. And like I said, I've, if I can answer a question, I'd be happy to or try and direct you to maybe somebody that can. And uh, anybody who's getting out, um, you know, I seriously uh, look for help. Um, I would honestly tell people to try and get professional help because if you weren't damaged physically, um, I think the majority that leave have been damaged emotionally in one way or another. And so uh, seek professional help as the main thing. And like I said, I, I hope this message can reach as many people as possible. So I'll help where I can. Agreed, my dear. That was a great message. So thanks again for joining me today. Super excited about that. Um, Good news for people. I wanted to wait till the end of the show to share this with you, but you can now find yours truly back on Spotify, working on Apple, also part of Alt Media United now. So not just on Podbean or Google Play anymore or the smaller apps. So make sure you check that out. As always, um, appreciate everybody tuning in. So for me, and for Jack, have a good one, and we'll see you next time.